Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast, an extension of our adult Sunday school ministry and stories of grace. Pastor Brandon here, along with Pastor Steve. Hey there. And we are committed to utilizing this platform to continue our church's rich tradition of deep theological teaching through our adult Sunday school ministry. Though this unique season of following Jesus has not been without its share of challenges, we hope that you will tune in weekly to dive deeper into the scriptures as we hear from the vast array of teachers that we are blessed to call family here at Grace Church. Welcome back again to the Grace Church Podcast, and it's Pastor Steve here with you, and I am joined with Pastor Brandon. Hey there. As well as Dr. Mark Getz. Howdy. So if you listened to Mark Getz yesterday uh, present uh, and just kind of share a devotional um, from John chapter 7, then that is wonderful. We are glad that you've joined us here, and you will hopefully benefit from this discussion. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, it is helpful to listen to the the podcast right before this one uh, in order to get a little bit of the background on what we're going to be discussing. So if you haven't done that, please do that, and that'll be uh, for your benefit, uh, we trust. So, well, welcome, Mark. I I shared yesterday, but... Um, but I was not able to be on the podcast the last time we had you, and so I am looking forward to this discussion and and might get to ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go here, so um, uh, looking forward to hearing and and just having a little discussion. Uh, just for the listener, we did we were we were having some different discussion in between sessions, and and what was happening is we were going, oh man, we should have already pushed record, so. Uh, hopefully that is able to, some of those discussions are able to happen in a helpful and natural way for you to uh, listen in on and engage with, with us. So I don't think I ever said shut up, but I was close. <laughs> we, we've got to stop talking and just record this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, do you want to go first here on, on setting any of these up? Oh, sure. Um, one of the things uh, Mark, that you had shared with Steve and I is that you and your family are kind of doing these as your personal devotion time. What does that look like? Do you guys do this every week? Is this... Yeah. Um, it's been really nice for our family. I know this is a strange and temporary time for everybody, but um, w- you know, when COVID first hit, I was teaching Sunday school um, uh, and going through the life of Christ. We just right. started. I was following... Uh, the curriculum that Steve had given me, and um, then COVID hit, and um, and wait, so wait, what hit? <laughs> you haven't heard of that? <laughs> no, we'll do another what, session what on is, that. What you. is that? <laughs> um, and then uh, you know we were really pretty scared too because mm-hmm. you know uh, I have a son that's work was working in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he'd had some exposures. It was you know we were mm-hmm. worried we had um, a pregnant um, daughter-in-law, sure. and so we were staying apart from each other. We really stayed in our houses. We didn't go anywhere, but um, uh, but we did need to get together, and so we did do our own Zoom church, and we started calling it COVID Church is what we started calling it. <laughs> but that started off Zoom, and I just started going through the uh, the lessons of the Sunday school, and we just really had a lot of fun with it because you know we spend time together as a family, and we enjoy each other, but... Um, we'd never really, as a group, had intentional spiritual discussions as a group that we had that. And and we 
loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, and we've talked about this. Is that you know the, my kids' church hasn't opened. You know a lot of them go to different churches than than Grace. Um, I think we have four or five churches represented in our our group of kids, and um, uh, none of them are open yet. So we've still been going through it. And then I think about May, we um, you know things kind of look like well, they're maybe not be quite as bad, but churches weren't open. We started getting together at our house on Sunday, and so mm. now what we do is. Um, you know, we get together, have brunch, put the the babies down for naps, and then we have our COVID church. <laughs> and uh, not everybody always attends. Uh, people are not always around, but whoever's there does that. And so that's been our habit. And, um, you know, we've all talked about that. We think we're, you know, it's not going to be probably a long-term thing, but we're really going to miss it and probably have something ongoing because of, of that. So it's been a fun, a fun thing we've done. Yeah, is this a curriculum that uh, other people could find and follow along as well? Well, um, really, all I've been doing is taking the chronological Bible and just going through um, just the the Gospels in chronological order, which is kind of what Steve had given me. So, so the class was based off of Gospel Project, which is what, what we would have. It's through Lifeway is how you would purchase it or, or okay. look, look that up. But I think what you're saying is you ha- you've kind of not necessarily abandoned, but you aren't you aren't basing the, no. your studies on that at no. this point. Uh, we're just going, going through whatever the next passage yeah. is in the yeah, in sure. the chronological yeah. Bible, which is kind of nice because you know the Gospels are kind of hard to sort through. Correct. Yeah. So it takes them and and puts them in a chronological order, and I've just taken that and taken a portion of it and said, okay, we're going to do this this so week. It's so it's not a curriculum as much as you're just using a chronological Bible yeah. to, okay. to walk through. Just, just to give us an order of some yeah. kind. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's been fun. So good. Yeah. So uh, one of my questions, um, I, I think I, I do want to get us into the text at, at, at some point, but before we maybe draw out some different questions from this text, it, it seems like... Bible background, uh, we're talking about the the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, so you've got like a, I'll say like a historical context that is really a, a main part for your for your driving out what is uh, a helpful look at understanding Jesus' words in a way that maybe on the first read you, you wouldn't have just been able to gather that but mm-hmm. but when you give that context suddenly it's like yeah. oh his words actually make sense so I know it's wild isn't it and um and you know what I told you is is that um this kind of evolved uh and maybe I'll just give you the background on how it evolved because mm-hmm. I I you know I am overeducated um in in if anything but not in bible I've never been to a bible college I've never taken bible classes per se um, so I don't have um, anything uh, spoon-fed to be, except Sunday school and church here that I've grown up with. So mm-hmm. um, uh, so I do come at it, um, I guess, without any of those that baggage, uh, which is good and bad, I think, at the same time. I wish I sometimes wish I had a little more training about yeah. things. But um, what, I, what I do is I just kind of look at things for what the context is of where they fit in the, in the story. So I really just pay a lot of attention to context of the storyline and what's going on. This started when I moved to town um, back in 91, and Doug Habegger uh, called and wanted me to teach adult Sunday school, and I was completely intimidated by that, because <laughs> I had no Bible training or anything like sure. that. And um, and I said, how about if I do third grade? 
And he said, okay, I'll put you in third grade. Well, back then when you signed up for third grade, you signed up for the whole year. It wasn't a quarter or anything. You got the whole year. So I had the whole year. And that's we, why you got to be an adult Sunday school teacher. It's, we yeah. only get you in for a, for a quarter. So, so, and I started in the fall, just like we do. And, and it was on this same, it started, sure. started with uh, creation and it went through, it was just going through a chronological Bible curriculum. I'm going to sing the song. Go ahead. You, yeah. You're careful. <laughs> and anyhow, so I started teaching and every week I'd draw for my third graders, I'd drop a picture and put it up on the wall so that we could review and we'd review the stories and I'd do another story. And it was short mm-hmm. and it was easy, but about, Three quarters of the way through the year, the spring, I'm looking and I'm reviewing the pictures I had up on the wall, and all of a sudden I saw something I'd never seen before, is that these stories fit together into a larger storyline. They were not just haphazard, kind of sanctified Aesop's fables. They actually made sense to me in a storyline, and I started seeing the Bible in a way that I'd never seen it before, and I just went back to it with this idea of that God has been doing something, and, and he's been doing something throughout history, and the Bible records that storyline, and I started going after that and looking for it. And so that's what transformed this. And even when I'm going through this now chronological curriculum of the Gospels, I'm just looking at it from this context of where Jesus is at. Like right now, you know, we're six months into COVID now. I think I'm on the 29th Sunday we've been doing this. Wow. and. Um, uh, and that is incredible. Yeah, we started. We started with the very with the, with the uh-huh. genealogies, and 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 now we're we're through the end of his Galilean ministry, and he's about ready to start heading south. And so, but all these stories make so much more sense now that I see where they're occurring at his ministry, what he's trying to do now. He's trying, and and so the context not only of the larger storyline of scripture, and then when you go to the Feast of Tabernacles, then you got to go back to well, where did they come from, and how did they evolve over this time. But really, I just go and Google it and, and read it. So I get a question, and I go and Google it, and I try and fit it into this larger storyline. But basically, I, all I do is just fit things into the context of their storyline and what I need to know about it. And so maybe just do a little research reading off rabbit trails. But that's all that so is. So uh, what are some of your sources? You, I mean, you mentioned Google. I, I, would, always tell, um, I would always tell the high schoolers... Uh, you're looking for a if you want to understand more, you want something that's accessible to you. So, um, like Google is the most accessible, but you also want something reliable. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, Google sometimes is, can be accessible. It's easy to find, but uh, well, I would use that to look up what the Jews are doing for yeah. for Feast of Tabernacles, okay. and that was great. But then you can get into better sources with that. Well, nobody can put anything on the internet that's not true. <laughs> so, that's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Good point. I'm not worried, Steve. Um, <laughs> well, as you as you know, some of you know too. Then I started getting interested in this with a professional storyteller, and sure. we put together some. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a resource that we use. I always yeah. go back, start there because he's. You know, we've done the work to look at how the simplified storyline is easily mm. done, and so I usually you know look at that and start there. But yeah, other you're than even that, starting with some of your own resources of. Yeah, um, but to to be honest, I just I don't use a lot of other yeah. resources. I did for the Feast of Tabernacles here, but yeah. And then I've lately I've gotten into more of podcasts to fill in my the Bible Project has been a great thing sure. to put that onto. And I listened to a lot of podcasts this week just about um, people that were teaching on the Feast of Tabernacles. So I listen yeah. to stuff like that. So yeah. just just kind of haphazard yeah. search. I love that you talk about just the the storyline of 
of things and how it's almost like there's just this cosmic plan to unite yeah. all things in heaven and on earth. Almost seems like that. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. And especially when you look at the feasts, I mean, um, I forget who it was that taught about the feasts. The first time I went to a Sunday school on the feast, but it blew me away because mm. just to see this idea that God had set this up, um, I think some of the most um, persuasive arguments for um, the existence of God and the veracity of of the scriptures is this whole idea that God has set up a timeline in history in in the in the calendar year that reflects something uh, bigger and um, uh, so I really enjoyed learning about those because we don't that isn't part of our culture you don't I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on the feasts and um, and you know when you when you think about why we I understand why we don't do everything in the feasts I'm not saying we should go back to be you know, there are some groups that get real legalistic about that, and I'm not sure that makes a lot of sense. But to, to have it be a part of, of your thinking and what you do, and maybe, you know, we talked about how I think from this, our family sees the Pumpkin Festival as part of the Fall Feast and understands how that goes in, but it doesn't mean the Pumpkin Festival is a scriptural feast, but um, um, it's, uh, but it's something that helps us understand what God was trying to communicate by the Harvest Calendar. And something bigger with it. Yeah, that's that's why a lot of churches follow the liturgical calendar, yeah. where they've reoriented their year around the life uh, and ministry of Jesus. Right, they have. And and but as I look at it, thinking, uh, understanding that Jesus saw his life centered around mm. the 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 festivals and um, and this whole understanding, um, it makes more sense to me to orient around the. The, um, the thinking that God set up about what the feasts mean and what they're trying to communicate uh, for time. Th- to me, that makes a lot more sense um, than, than the church calendar. And I don't think the church calendar is bad. And in some ways, I wish that I was in a culture that followed the church calendar a little more strictly. I think it would have been helpful for me growing up. But I think that um, uh, there's so much to learn from the feasts that God set up. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, uh, this this may be an unnecessary rabbit trail, so Brandon, you can cut it out if it is, but <laughs> I, I was just reminded of, um, so uh, Mark, you were, well, I, I think I probably first had you actually in, in high school as a teacher, and I was going back to this creation, fall, flood, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. I mean, I still, this is high school Steve, <laughs> this song that, that you had done for us to help us from, like just kind of walk through the Old Testament, and it, it, right. it's helpful. What I'm hearing from you, and this is just to kind of further that that your, your own background in here, what I'm hearing is that a lot of this um, growth in in narrative Bible teaching, but but just your own connection with the larger story of Scripture was from 1991 when you were asked to become a Sunday school teacher. Is, Absolutely, is that right? Absolutely, that's where it started. I, and I remember when I went back and started looking at the Scriptures, reading it again for that storyline. I remember sitting back there in in my study and yelling and saying, Ruth, get in here, yeah. look at this. I can't believe this. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like I, a th- almost a 30-year journey that just kind of started uh, from that. Yeah. I mean the first time that I saw that uh the story of uh Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac was on the same mountain as the temple was built. It just mm. blew me away. I was like, nobody's ever told me that before. And that mm-hmm. is just a 
when you see that as a part of the storyline, it makes so much sense. Um, and somehow, uh, because um, the narrative of the Old Testament isn't forefront in our mm-hmm. present Protestant culture, um, it somehow is missed. And because of that, I think it's a problem of why people don't tie the stories together and see them as part of of a bigger plan to save the whole world that started with Abraham and God's plan to do that. And I think that um, my concern was, and, and the reason I really got into teaching this to the young boys is that like, I think if they, if I can get that idea in their head when they go through this development of trying to figure out who they are and what they really believe, that I want them just to remember that there's something about the Bible that's much bigger than just a Sunday school class, that it's something mm-hmm. that relates to all of time and all of, of me. And, and I think that's got to help them. I'm hoping that'll help them get yeah, through that. Yeah, it's like it, it helps us rightly understand God and rightly understand man. Like it, it gives us that, that um, I guess, uh, context for a correct understanding of how God and man even... Like God is a, a God who is covenanted with people. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just, uh, it puts things in a, a correct context for us. Yeah. I, I think we underestimate the the power of that um, of that idea that God put in there. I remember when I was talking with a young man who was struggling. I had struggled with atheism when I was in in college, and is part of my journey. And I talked with him, and and I remember just telling him, you wanted to hear why I just struggle with thinking that the Bible is something that I can't ignore, that I just got to look at. And I told him the story of the Passover and and how God had set up that that time period and, and to be a recurring feast, and that that's how Jesus uh, saw his time where he was going to die and, and showed him those connections. And I remember he was just like, he's like, that makes so much sense to me, that God inspired history. And it's just, you could tell, it was like every, all his problems had been made so small by the idea that God had instituted a calendar when he instituted Passover that meant something centuries later and still means something today. Mm-hmm. It was so powerful. If you had to, I just find that so interesting because you, you said in passing, present-day Protestants don't really typically, we're not so much pulling from the Old Testament when we come to the New Testament. If you had to nail down why why that is, what would you say? Well, there's, I'm sure there's many reasons. I, I think that um, some of it has to do with the same kind of problems that um, that the people of this day had trouble with Jesus. Remember what they were having trouble with, with Jesus, why they, they'd look at his miracles and look at his teaching like, wow, he is a great teacher. He is saying stuff that makes so much sense. Wow, he is doing miracles nobody can, can deal with. What was their objection? I've read in the scripture that he has to be born in Bethlehem, and he, I don't think he was, so therefore I can't believe in him. And that totally stops me. In fact, that's the argument that the leaders give. They say, are you, know, are you being led astray like all those people are too? Go look in the scriptures. There's no prophet that comes from Galilee. 
And they, they tried to talk down Nicodemus the same way. Nicodemus was trying to stand up for Jesus at the end of this passage. And, and they say, well, just go look in the scriptures. It doesn't say that. I think that, that sometimes some of the warning of this thing is, is not, not to devalue scripture, but, but to not have too narrow or rigid view of scripture that keeps you from seeing the big picture of scripture. Yeah. Uh, and I think that happens a lot because as I read through the scriptures and started on this journey, there was a lot of things that bothered me. They gave me a lot of tension. There's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that bothers people. And it stops them in their tracks just like it stopped them in their tracks. Mm. Because if you get real rigid and, um, and uh, narrow-minded about some of these things that bother you instead of saying... You know, this is one part here that I don't seem to understand the full picture of, but it doesn't negate the bigger picture of what's going on. Um, then you keep looking, and then all of a sudden you see things in a bigger way. Um, I mean, even this passage itself, Jesus, um, you know, there's a lot of tension here that I've never heard. Is um, uh, it says, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. You know what verse that is? There isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because Jesus took a bunch of scriptural ideas from mm -hmm. the prophets, and he put them together into a sentence, an idea. He had a very fluid, flowing thing, but none of us would dare quote scripture and make up a bunch of stuff like that because that's our culture is there. I understand that. I understand the, the value and the high view of scripture that we need to keep. But I think sometimes that rigidity and that uh, uncomfortableness with this, this, uh, the way scriptures really are makes us feel like we just don't even want to tackle it because the scriptures, they make us uncomfortable. Hmm. They really do. They still make me uncomfortable all the time. But I think you just have to recognize that we're dealing with a God whose thoughts are way above ours. Yeah, kind of like when when you're um, meeting with, encountering the God who has revealed himself, and, and you focus on those main things, some of your questions might get answered, but some of them may still be mystery and and so it's it's okay to not get so hung up on on those pieces of yeah maybe the maybe the question starts at the wrong point i mean maybe maybe some of the questions that we bring to the text are not actually the right questions right. and so we need to learn how to ask the right questions well it does seem like um it, it's interesting that he that jesus throughout this time never answered that scriptural complaint that they had against him, and he could have, yeah, but he never did, hmm. because answering our intellectual confusions about him almost seems like it's not worth his time. He's kind of like, I'm not really here to put all the pieces in place for you so you can make everything real black and white and put a bow on it. I'm here... Um, in fact, one of his, one of his, you know, some of the stuff he said is, look, you may think I'm untrained, but um, if you'll just want to do God's will, you'll know that what I'm saying makes sense. 
So it's kind of like going after your heart again, which has always been the hard part about Scripture, is it always comes back to where our heart is. Yeah, he says back in John 5, to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and yet it is they that bear witness about me. So this has kind of been a theme running through this idea of stop being so rigid. (laughs) It really is. It really was. And it was an interesting thing that I heard in one of these podcasts I've talked about is that... um, you know, Paul was a Pharisee, mm. but he looked back on that and was like, I just had that all wrong. Mm. The other point this person was making was Jesus was a Pharisee. The way he looked at Scripture and life was not the way the Sadducees did. Mm. He looked at it the way the Pharisees did. Yeah, It's just his point was, you need to have a heart of mercy. You need to have a heart that really seeks to please God. You need to recognize that I'm from God, and you're not. So um, it, he really was kind of like, uh, your heart problems are almost um, your view of of the way you use Scripture is really symptomatic of the problem with your heart, which is really interesting because um, if you you know deal at all in medicine with people with psychological illnesses, a lot of times there's a lot of religious overlay with those things. There's a lot of uh, that in it. Um, so that uh, the Scripture and religion by itself is not um, something necessarily something that is um, always used well for people or helpful for people. It's mm-hmm. really, there's this heart issue that Jesus really seems to want to focus on, on more. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that people um you know struggle with these things is because we still have a heart problem that's really where it is we don't mm-hmm. have intellectual problems we have heart problems mm-hmm. we need yeah. a good cardiologist <laughs> <laughs> and we have one in Jesus we do we have the great cardiologist <laughs> that's awesome so a uh, directional thing is I'd love us to talk through some some more things in the text that's itself, great. if that's all right. That's great. Um, so um, maybe one of the first questions I have is just uh, you did – I think you already got into this water theme mm-hmm. and, as it pertains to the Feast of Tabernacles, but – I'll be honest. When I when I'm reading this text, I just think of John chapter four, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so absolutely. Um, I don't know that that's a question as much as it. Well, it's almost like these gospel writers have weaved in themes yeah. <laughs> throughout the gospels. Like, I know. It's almost like that. Isn't it's it? almost like it. <laughs> Surely well, it can't the reason, be. The reason you think about it is because that's the other place he used the term "living living water." water. That's exactly why. Yeah, and when you look at living water in in the Old Testament, where Jesus Jesus is using these terms as echoes of what he's read. Um, it's you know passages like uh, telling the Israelites, you've given up on me, uh, this, your spring of living water. God says that to the people. So he's really, uh, when he's talking about living water, he's talking about the Spirit of God, and that's the way it was used always in, in the Old Testament. Um, and so interestingly, that uh, woman at the well is the other time where he proclaims that he is the Messiah. Um, he tells her that. And again, his marketing plan is there is to go to one out-of-the-way place to a Samaritan woman and 
that's the first place that we have recorded that he tells anybody that he's the Messiah. I, um, and uh, so there he says it, but it is at that same time where he's offering living water, and I think it is this same same idea. I think he's mm. taking that idea, which he uses over and over again. Mm. So I try to get like a, I try to get like an image in my head of, of just kind of what's going on here, and I, and I think you you did really help a lot with that as you explained yesterday, just about this passage. And so I'm trying to think, you know, when Jesus stands up amidst this multitude of people and this great feast, you know, I have pictures in my head that, that like other Jesus films have, have put there. And you get this idea that maybe everybody who is there, that he shouted loud enough that everyone who was there could have heard him. Do you, do you think that that's accurate? Do you think that everyone would have heard him shout this thing? Or do you think that only maybe his voice carried so far and only a few people? <laughs> mm, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think we know that uh, at all from the text, but I would picture that that this is a moment that he made sure that all eyes were on him mm. and that everybody could hear him and knew what he said, because he was always addressing the crowds. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's was his way of doing things, and he would, uh, um, he would make sure that they heard it. And if they didn't, I think they would all be asking. The, and this story is going to be told over and over again yeah. throughout the city. It would just ripple through the hey, city. Hey, what did that really strange guy say? That was like a half yeah. a mile away. I Why heard is him yelling. He, yeah, and... what was he yelling when they were pouring the water out? Because everybody would know the context. Yeah. So yeah. it would, it would be such a graphic context because everybody knows what everybody's yelling, uh, what the response is at that time. Everybody knows what they're praying for at that time. Um, everybody knows what the feast means. Um, they've lived it all their lives. They've, their whole life has been prepared for that moment. Hmm. Um, and Jesus takes that moment that he prepared back when he set up the feast and let the cultural... Interesting about... Um, you know, his view of Scripture is that this a ceremony that he uh, used to teach this isn't found in Scripture. This is a Jewish tradition of what happened that evolved. But you can see that it, um, it was something that he, he saw as communicating about himself and that he used it. And, you know, you can see the the, the wine and the water flowing down the altar to... Um, and by the way, this, these fall feasts, this was the final, um, the final uh, time of absolution for their sins. This is tied to the Feast of Trumpets and to Yom Kippur. And then finally, at, at the Feast of Tabernacles, this is, this is when their um, salvation is, is given for... And they're made right with God for the year. And so all those ideas are tied into this, and those people knew that at that time. So I think even if they didn't hear it, which I think most of them did, um, that the social media of the day worked really well. <laughs> you think there was a hashtag uh, applied to this? <laughs> That's <or>? right. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag living water. Yeah. No, they were really good at storytelling. So because they did it all the time, so yep. they didn't need to use a hashtag. They didn't they, need yeah. sound bites. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Where my mind was going is, if you wouldn't mind replaying a little bit, um, this this concept of uh, fitting in uh, uh, 
like the specifically how the water part like would have made sense within the context of the feast. You, you mentioned the people there would have been preparing. I mean, they were prepared their whole lives for this moment. And so it made sense uh, for, for an average listener who heard Christ's words here. And yet you moved then to talk a little bit about uh, these different responses. And for someone who truly gets, uh, I'll do air quotes, <laughs> gets the message that Christ was was giving and yet have different responses um, here uh, for, against, or uh, you mentioned confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I'm I'm more thinking towards the responses, and yet and yet maybe it's helpful to just uh, preview or by way of reminder wh- what yeah. it is that they were getting. Well, you know, I don't know what they got, and it doesn't really tell me right. completely what they got, except for what John includes as the main response, and and what they mainly got from this was this guy is claiming to be God's messenger. Mm-hmm. He is clearly claiming to be the one that God has brought. And then they were still sorting through, does that mean the prophet that Moses said would come after me and you have to listen to him? They weren't sure how that fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he claiming to be the Messiah? He's clearly claiming to be uh, the representative God who provides for them. Um, so they clearly got those things. And then I kind of read into, I guess, tried to put myself in the place of people and how they would see um, the whole Feast of Tabernacles and and what they would have thought the water ceremony would have meant to them before Jesus stood mm-hmm. up and said, well, I'm the one in charge of all these provisions that you guys are praying for. Um, so, um, so I was kind of, uh, I think, trying to put myself in their place. Yeah. Uh, with that, but but in terms of you just want to say, well, what does the text actually say? Which is what you really have to come back and do. You do. I mean, you can. Uh, I think it's always interesting to think about what could have they might have been thinking, or I love to do that. But you still have to come back and say, but what does the text say? And and what it says is they understood hmm. so that like, he was something special. So this is maybe just another um, uh, another indication where Jesus is demonstrating where he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament uh, law, and he is the climax of the Israel story. Yes. And I don't think they got that fully at this time, but they got the main point. His main point was, uh, well, is answering the questions that were going about the city during the whole week. Who is this guy? Who do the leaders think he is? They haven't arrested him yet. Maybe they think he's the Messiah. How can he be the Messiah? He's not born in the right place. So all this confusion that was going on during the week about his identity, which was really all about his identity is what it was. Could he really be the Messiah if he breaks the Sabbath? Well, Jesus is kind of like, yeah, I still can be, so you better think about this. I'm not really breaking the Sabbath. Can he really be the Messiah if he's not trained? Well, yeah, I don't, I got my message from God. I, I think that's good, pretty good training. Hmm. Um, you know, does he really, can he really be the Messiah if he's not... Uh, born in Bethlehem, he's like, you know, I'm not even going to touch that one. I'm not even going to honor that with even an answer. Um, but he says, but I am going to answer that. And the way he answered it was by um, standing up and 
using this phrase from Isaiah, is anybody is, uh, and it's a really, it's the new covenant announcement, is if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Mm -hmm. And that's the announcement of the new covenant there. God's going to give them a new covenant. And, um, and the people got that. They were like, oh, he's saying something about who he is. And now we have to decide if we believe him or not. And they were still struggling with their confusion. But now they were faced with this thing, not just who is he, but he's saying, you come to me, and if you believe in me, you are going to have rivers of water flowing through you. You're going to, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to bless everybody around you. And I love that picture that Jesus gives to us, is that he's not only satisfying our deepest longings, but when he satisfies that, that you will automatically start blessing everybody around you. And that is the Abraham pictures. Bless you and all the people of the world will be blessed through you. Mm. All right. Yeah, there's so, almost some Eden imagery there of like yeah. rivers flowing out. You're, it is. You're like little little Edens walking around, little versions of new creation exactly. walking around. It is that picture. Mm. Yeah. That so is the rivers. I had done a sermon on Psalm 67, and I'm I'm not positive that it was the Feast of Tabernacles, but I remember from my from my study that it was for a fall festival for Jewish and uh, within their Jewish calendar and and there's one particular line talking about the the earth has yielded its increase which would be alluding to that they've already um, taken in their fields I mean I think there's just within the psalm you can you can speculate towards that but um, just as you're saying that is psalm 67 if you're not familiar with it um, but just read a couple of the verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Oh, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> let, the, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the earth, let all the ends of the earth fear him. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon the earth. Uh, I think that that blessed, blessed to bless is, is so right within this conversation. Well, yeah, Steve, and um, that is the language of, the Feast of Tabernacles, and there were so many of the Psalms that were quoted as they would ascend to go pour the mm. water out like, like this. And, uh, um, but the idea of is, is that it was a feast, not just for the Israelites, but it was a feast for the nations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in the Feast of Tabernacles that is this idea of including all the nations and bringing them all in. Um, it is, um, is one of the names, it's the Feast of the Nations. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, that is the idea of this, and this is where my kids were like, yeah, that just sounds exactly like the Pumpkin Festival. Everybody <laughs> comes home, everybody comes it in. It is. And it's that celebration of yeah. God's goodness finally blessing his people and all the earth, and this idea of that's what God's kingdom is like. It's mm -hmm. when the Messiah reigns and we all get blessed. That is heaven. Mm -hmm. 
the parade in particular. The P- uh, yeah, the pee fest is holy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it does not smell holy a week after the <laughs> no, pee fest here. So, well, thank you, Mark, for joining us here, and I think it's a good way to wrap up our conversation, reminding us of the World's Fair, the Morton Pumpkin Festival. No, um, just <laughs> reminding us of uh, God's faithfulness not only to His people, but to His people. That, that all the nations might might be blessed through uh, his people. And, and that blessing is not just a future one. Uh, there is a living water to be experienced here on earth. And yet, and yet in its fullness, uh, we look forward to the day uh, where we will, um, uh, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And we look forward to being present with the Lord uh, in, its, in its fullness. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, thanks again, Mark, for joining mm-hmm. us here a second oh. time on the podcast, the yeah, first thanks, repeat guest. And, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks, Brandon, for joining this conversation as well. So I'll leave you, the listener, uh, with, with this and and uh, just appreciate uh, you taking the time to make it this far. And we look forward to having you join us again next week. Thanks. Thanks.